Welcome to the Prep Athletics Podcast. This is Corey Heights. Some battles. I'm, I'm not sure if they got us. If they did, maybe, maybe. So you will get better as a player during that year. So it was kind of exciting. Like, oh, yeah, somebody wants me. Welcome to the Prep Athletics Podcast. This is Corey Heights. And this episode today is going to be uh, a story on how I got to where I am today. And by that, it's how did I get to play D1, what my prep school experience was, and why I went this entire route. And I think this is an important episode just so people can know what my mindset was as a teenager, why it was that way, and why I took the path I did, and maybe why that was a good thing, and maybe why it was a bad thing, and maybe some lessons learned from it. So first to start, uh, one thing when I talk to clients is the first question I ask is, what is your goal? And I'd say about 80% of kids that I ask that question to say they want to play D1. And I can absolutely relate to that. That was my goal since I was a little kid. And the reason it was my goal is that I had five members of my family before me play Division I basketball. Um, my dad's side of the family, uh, there was five siblings and three of them played Division I. Uh, my oldest uncle, Jim, was 6'11", and he was the first member of my family to, on that side, on my father's side, to, to go to college, and he got a scholarship to play at Oklahoma University. And from there, my father uh, decided to play at West Virginia University. My father was seven feet tall, had a great career at West Virginia, uh, got drafted in the NBA, and then actually decided to play one year of pro in Switzerland. Um, so I grew up in a household with, with him also as a mentor. And then his baby brother, Tom, was 6'9". He was runner-up to Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana. And then he ended up choosing Kentucky and played there from 1979 to 84, which included um, going to the Final Four, which included playing every day against two lottery picks in Sam Bowie and Melvin Turpin, and included my Uncle Tom getting drafted in the eighth round of the 1984 draft to the Indiana Pacers. Uh, my dad's sisters had two kids around my age. Renee, she was six foot five. She played Division One at Moorhead State, and then my first cousin Brad Miller, who we've talked about before in this podcast and even interviewed on this podcast, uh, he spent four years at Purdue and then uh, spent fourteen years in the NBA. So growing up and seeing all these tall family members around me and knowing that kind of basketball was the way to get a free education, it was just burned in my head I was going to get tall and play Division I basketball like everybody else. Um, I went to a high school in Lexington, Kentucky named Henry Clay. Went there for about a year and a half, and I was tall, about 6'5", about a buck fifty, skinny, really had a hard time competing, didn't get many minutes on JV, and halfway through my sophomore year, I actually transferred to Lexington Catholic, which at the time was the number one team in the state. Uh, transferred there halfway through, started playing JV, actually got a few varsity minutes, and this was just a better fit for me both basketball-wise, academic-wise, culturally, and um, I played with great teammates. I think my senior year of high school, if you look from uh, our seniors down to our freshmen, we had players go to Marshall, Air Force, Eastern Kentucky, Georgia, Notre Dame, Kentucky, Transylvania. So we had a stacked team, and every day in practice, we got better. And you know, one thing I want to say about this is, is that I transferred from a team where I didn't you know, get much – playing time JV to now guarding, you know, the number one player in the state of Kentucky, whose name was Vondale Morton. And I played against Vondale every day 
for two and a half years, right? And I got so much better doing that. A lot of times questions will come in, should I go to a team with 10 D1 players or should I go to a team uh, in the prep school world where I'm the man? And I always suggest playing against the best competition on a daily basis that you can. So me going up against Vondale Morton every day in practice, me having um, good, talented teammates just just got me so much more prepared. Um, since my goal was D1, I knew I had to hit a growth spurt and grow as tall as my father, cousin, and uncles. Remember, my father was seven feet tall. And my mom's side of the family was actually quite tall too. Her brother's 6'4", her father's 6'4". So with her family and my dad's family you know, coming together, having me and my sister and I, um, we really thought I was going to be 7 feet tall. So we knew that potentially um, prep school was going to be an option. I was getting a lot of recruiting letters from D3 schools, a lot of letters from D1 schools to include high academic schools as well because I had good grades, good height, played on a good team, and people knew my pedigree. Um, when I realized from feedback from college coaches that I was not going to go straight to D1 out of high school, that's where the prep school options started being discussed. One of my teammates at Lexington Catholic was Michael Patino, whose dad was Rick Patino, who was at the time UK's basketball coach. And Rick had a friend from New Jersey uh, associated with the Lawrenceville School, and we had a uh, some local alum from the Lawrenceville school come by our house one morning, show us a video, give us a pamphlet, and talk to us about it. And this really opened our eyes to a post-grad option. Um, also, I was getting recruited by the military academies, Army and Navy. And one of the stipulations of going to one of those two places would be attending their prep school. So I started through my senior year, beginning of it, learning about the prep school process, learning that this could be my option. And my thoughts were, and my family's thoughts were, We'll do a year of postgrad. During that time, I'll go from six seven to six eleven, and then I can go to a, you know a D one school of my choice. And my dream school was to play at West Virginia, where my dad went and where my mom went. I grew up going to camps there. Grew up going to all the football games, tons of basketball games, and it just was my dream school. And West Virginia said, "Hey, if you grow as tall as your dad, uh, we'll be very interested." So that's where I kind of said, "Hey, prep prep school is the way to go." Um, I mentioned I was getting recruited by Army and Navy and had no desire to do the military because I knew nothing at the time about a military academy. And my strength coach at the time was Sean Brown. Sean Brown was the UK men's basketball team's strength coach. And UK at the time was one of the top teams in the nation, right? And he did just a heck of a job getting those guys in shape for Patino's you know, running gun system. And Sean was my strength coach for two years and transformed me from being, you know, a very weak kid to having good footwork, being strong, uh, having a work ethic, uh, being much more springy. So Sean Brown really changed my body physically and provided, you know, a lot of leadership to me as a young, malleable 17-year-old. And he also sat me down one day and asked me about my recruiting. And he said, who's recruiting you right now? And I said, uh, you know, this school, I got a letter from that school, Army, Navy, but I just threw those away because I don't want to do the military. And after I said that, Sean Brown spent an hour of his time talking to me about how he wished he would have gone to West Point uh, for college. He had an offer and did not take it there. He went to a different school, but he mentioned all the benefits of going to an academy, of being an officer, and what that lifestyle was like. And without that conversation, um, I would not have considered the academies, and I would not have had a chance to 
you know, end up where I am today had I not done that. So Sean hates hearing this, but really that conversation for me was a sliding door because without that conversation, my life takes a completely different turn. So one day I hope to have Sean on the podcast because he's also worked with Patino at the Celtics. He's worked for the Raptors, Virginia um, Cavaliers basketball team, uh, Minnesota with uh, Richard Patino, and now he's actually at West Virginia. Um, my favorite school playing for one of my favorite coaches, Bob Huggins. So we'll try to get Sean on too and, and learn a little bit about his life. But that conversation got me very interested into Army and Navy. So I did do road trips my uh, fall of my senior year and visited Army's prep school, visited Navy's prep school. I visited West Point, visited the Naval Academy. And full disclosure, my favorite player growing up was David Robinson. So when I found out Navy, Navy wanted me and after making these visits, um, I committed to go to the Naval Academy's prep school, and then from there I would go to the Naval Academy. Loved Annapolis, loved everything about the Patriot League, and um, fast forward to a few months later, and that offer was pulled, and uh, you know we didn't get a good straight answer. They said something about me not having a physics class, physics class or something of that nature, but truthfully, I was not the strongest recruit. I mean, in high school, I averaged about two points because our team was so good. We were running, gunning, pressing team, had a lot of athletes on it. And I was a six, seven skinny kid um, who got minutes, but just the offense did not go through me. Okay, so I probably averaged two points a game. I only started three games in high school because we were that good, right? And I was still rolled in. My high school coach, Danny Haney, always told college coaches, you know, you're not going to get, I'm not getting the real Corey now. You know, the real Corey is going to come in college once he puts on muscle, once he grows taller, gets more coordinated, has you know, more time on the court. So we all knew that I was going to be a late bloomer. But Navy, from what we heard, got a better player with better stats. And, you know, they kind of made up this 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 reason why I couldn't go there. So that was fine. I decided, you know, hey, I'll take the Navy stickers off my car, threw away the Navy t-shirts I bought. Um, I had to eat a little crow because we made a big announcement about it. And, I, you know, one of the toughest phone calls I had to make was telling Army I was not going to go there after all the recruiting they did. And Dino Gaudio was the coach there at the time. So um, someone told us about Air Force, said, hey, if you're looking at Army and Navy, why don't you try Air Force? And remember, part of the reason I'm doing this too is I I really didn't think I was going to go to Army or Navy. I was going to use this prep school year to grow to 6'11", 6'10", get stronger, and then go play to West Virginia. So for me, I was kind of going in like, hey, this is going to be temporary. I'm not going to really join the military. So we end up visiting Air Force. They were interested. And the way we marketed myself, I give my father, Mike Heights, credit for this, is we marketed my profile as the white David Robinson. And if you know David Robinson's story, he went into the Naval Academy at six foot six, and he ended up growing to be seven foot one and becoming National Player of the Year. Well, I was six foot seven, raw, had all this, you know, genetic proof that my family members grow tall and play at a high level of basketball. So we told Air Force, hey, this is going to be the white David Robinson. Um, take a chance on him. Worst case, he, he doesn't grow. Best case, he grows, and maybe you have the next, uh, you know, really good steal, um, and he grows and just, you know, becomes a good player there. So we marketed myself that way as, hey, you're not betting on Corey now. You're betting on Corey on what he could be, and Air Force liked that. So we visited the prep school, visited the academy. It seemed like a better fit than Navy and um, – um, Army, and it turned out to be great. So um, graduated high school, got ready to basic train at the prep school, and prep school was great at Air Force. It is located in Colorado Springs at the Air Force Academy's campus, and I 
I loved it there. We were all away from home for the first time, boys and girls from all over the country. Um, People were in prep school for one reason or another. Some were prior enlisted, which means they were in the Air Force as enlisted personnel and someone thought they deserved to be an officer. So they sent them to the prep school to get ready for the academic rigors of the academy. You also had folks there whose SATs or ACTs were a little bit low and they needed to bump those up. And then the third group of people you had there were athletes and this was our redshirt year. You cannot redshirt an academy, but you could get an extra year development at the prep school. So on my team, you know, I've got my roommate there who's a Navajo Indian who turns out to be the first Native American basketball player in D1 history. We've got guys on my team from D.C., Brooklyn, Chicago, Mississippi, Miami, Kansas City, Georgia, from all over the country. We all got along. We played great basketball, had a great time, and I wasn't growing taller. Now, I put on 20 pounds of muscle, but I don't think the schools were going to come calling um, at the West Virginia's level or other high-level schools. So about halfway through that year, I said, you know what, I'm just, I love these guys. I'm just going to be my best chance to play D1. I'm just going to go to the academy. And I don't think I was, looking back, I don't think I was disappointed. I was pretty excited to be attending a school in, in the WAC. Remember, the WAC at that time had Utah, TCU, New Mexico, UNLV. I mean, it was some heavy hitters. A lot of pros came through there, such as Chris Heron, um, Andre Miller, Keith Van Horn, Mike Doliak, um, and some others. So Kirk Thomas from New Mexico. So it was a big-time conference back then, and um, it, was, it was a mid- to high-major conference. So I was looking forward to that. So I decided um, to go ahead and attend the academy. So what do we do at prep school? Well, at prep school, we get better on the court. We learn the Air Force's system. We get stronger in the weight room. We get ready academically for the academy. And I knew from playing the guys on the academy team, the varsity team, that I had a lot of work to do. I was not ready to play. Um, And, you know, I didn't really want to go to an engineering school, and I didn't really want to wear a uniform or get yelled at. But my goal my entire life, like I said to start this conversation, was to play D1. And by golly, if I had to go to an engineering school, if I had to wear a uniform, if I had to fight and claw to get on that varsity team, this was the best chance I had. Otherwise, my options would have been D3 or NAIA, which would have been great. And I might have had a better time, you know, doing a liberal arts education or getting more minutes on the court. But like I said, I had it burned in my brain that D1 was, was the goal. And that's why I appreciate when kids tell me that nowadays. I know what they're feeling. I get it right? I used to watch March Madness and figure, oh, do I want to go play at Duke or do I want to go play at Stanford? Because it was a dream, right? Everyone wants to play at that level, um, play in March Madness. So I was no, no different. And I had the family members in front of me that did, did do, do that. So um, that's what I was thinking. But, you know, fast forward and, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior year, I played on the JV team at the academy. Um, I just was not good enough and never got strong enough to play on the varsity. I mean, if I would have played on the varsity team and checked into a game, I'm gonna, as a center at 6'7", 200 pounds, I'm going to be guarding a guy that's 7 feet tall, 260, going to the NBA. I just physically did not get good enough, and I could not get my game. Uh, I could not get my three-point shot around in time. I couldn't get my defense, my speed. So I was stuck on JV for three years. So with prep school um, and four, three years of JV, that's four years I spent playing the JUCO circuit. So if you don't know that, that's who the JV team plays. That's who the prep school team plays. Our junior colleges in Colorado, Kansas, Nebraska, uh, Wyoming, New Mexico, Texas. 
And I played, I rode those bus rides to those same small towns, those same gyms for four years. And I don't know many people that have done that. I know Brandon Goebbels at Juco Advocate might appreciate that. Um, but that's what I did. And, you know, junior year, beginning of the season, I was on the varsity team. I was on them uh, for two weeks to start the season and then just had a couple of bad practices. And they said, Corey, you know, we're, we want you to go back down the JV and be, you know, the team captain down there and, and mentor those kids. So I never played a minute of Division One basketball. I did not get on the court. And that's a regret. I mean, there's nothing I could do about it. I gave it my all. But I've got this feeling in my gut that I wish I would have at least had one second in a varsity game after busting my ass, you know, all those years. But it just, it wasn't meant to be. But I had no regrets, right? I gave it everything I had to try to make my goal reality. And I played in a D1 program. I did all the weightlifting. I did all the team dinners. I did traveling, study halls, conditioning, workouts, all that stuff. It's just I never got a minute D1. And I, I don't blame my coaches. Shoot, I was 6'7", 200 pounds. I would get up to 220 in the offseason, and then in preseason conditioning, I would lose it. I would just lose it doing sprints. So uh, I could never knock guys around and just di- didn't, couldn't do it. So I was a D1 program. I was a borderline D1 player. But guess what? That's exactly what I wanted to do. Um, so what I ask kids is how bad do you want to play D1? And kind of the example I give is I did things I did not want to do. I spent nine years of my life doing things I didn't want to do to play D1. You know, I went to an engineering school, right? My math was not very good. In fact, my mom was an English teacher. So I got, you know, her and I would go over papers. We'd go over uh, writing assignments. I got really good at English, right? Was not very good at math. But that's what this school was. So my... You know, core classes include, you know, engineering mechanics, physics one and two, chemistry one and two, astronautical engineering, aeronautical engineering, struggled. Graduated the 2.2, I was on academic probation uh, quite a few semesters there, missed a lot of games because of that because I struggled so bad. Secondly, you're in the military, so you have no say. You've got to uh, get up when they tell you to, march when they tell you to, uh, wear a uniform, shave, and if you don't do certain things, you get in trouble. And I got in trouble quite a bit there. Actually, had three military review committees during my time. <coughs> Excuse me, and um, you know, almost got kicked out a couple times for some violations. Um, and then, mind you, afterwards, when you graduate from an academy, you have to spend five years active duty as an officer. And I didn't mind this. To me, it was a job where you got leadership experience. Except 9/11 happened while I was an officer. So in 2003, in the summer, I actually had to deploy uh, to the Middle East for five months. And um, I don't regret it at all. I actually volunteered to go over there. But my point is, like, the engineering, the not being able to do what you want to do, the deploying to a war zone, those are the things I had to do to play D1. So I asked kids, like, do you really want to do everything you have to do to play D1? Right? Will you go to a situation that might not be comfortable just to reach that goal? And I did that. Right? Now, one reason I did it, too, was I wanted to give it everything I could, even if I failed. Right? And I don't consider it a failure. I still graduated from one of the best schools in the world in the United Air Force Academy, United States Air Force Academy. But guess what? I can sleep at night now knowing that I gave it all I've got. If I'd have gone to a lower division school and even had a great career there, I would have always wondered what if. What if I would have tried to go D1 and it might have worked out? Right? So that's one thing I tell families nowadays too is, hey, this, this year, this post-grad year, if you decide to do it, 
might not get you a D1 scholarship, might not get you a D2 scholarship. Heck, you might have the same offers going in, or I'm sorry, coming out as you did going in, but now you'll know, right? You'll know what level player you are because you've been exposed in events. You've been talked to. Uh, a lot of coaches have asked you, probably your prep school coach about you. Um, so you'll know. So you'll be able to go to bed at night in your 40s, not have that nagging feeling of, well, I wonder if I would have given this my all. What would have come from it? Um, so I have no regrets. You know, I've met some of the best friends of my life, the four men of my wedding. Uh, my groomsmen are all from the academy. Two of them were from prep school. One of my best friends is that Navajo Indian who was my roommate the first day of prep school. And um, yeah, I just wanted to share my story and experiences to know that I did what a lot of kids did. I transferred to high schools for a better fit. I did a post-grad year. I went to a level a little bit higher than I should have, but since I was so stubborn and my goal was to play D1, I went through with it. So everyone's got their own experiences. Everyone's got their own things they need to do. Um, but I want to at least share my story so you know you can kind of see where I'm coming from now and trying to help kids figure these things out, right? And one way to figure out if you're a D1 player is to potentially do a post-grad year, but it's not a guarantee, right? And playing D1 is not a guarantee. And even if you do go D1, maybe it's not the best fit, um, you got to figure out what's right for you and your situation, Okay. This is Corey Heights. Thank you for listening to me today. If you have any questions, let me know. Uh, if you want to stay up to date on all the podcasts that come out, be sure to subscribe on either YouTube or any of the podcast platforms you listen to this on. And any feedback or questions, let me know. Go to prepathletics.com. You can reach me there. Thanks so much for tuning in.